after arriving to Argentina under the guise of nuclear physicians. Our heroes are intercepted by Matrioska, an agent of the Soviet Union. Despite this unexpected assault, they proceed with the plan, going to the Exército Revolutionário Popular Liberated Cordova, where they can arrange transportation across the country. Thanks for all those that helped us cross the border, especially Joshua Candem and William Carson. Content warning, missing people, geography, and the inescapable grip of war. You are now in Cordova, Argentina, and uh, it is still relatively early in the night, and you are at the town, you just changed hotels, and according to the suggestions, well, think of this as what appear to be your options based on the files that the computer compiled, rather than the options that you have. So... The way that the computer sees it, you have two options. You can try in the middle of the night to not draw attention to yourself, sneak around the city and uh, try to get away before people notice that you are not where you are expecting to be and then make your journey to Patagonia. Or you can play along with them see if they take you out of town, see if they take you to the embalse where you can work on the nuclear station and do as much as possible things to go as expected. If things get normal, do you wait at the moment when people are not looking around for you and then just get out and get on a train and uh, go south. Those are basically the, the two options. The computer sees it, of course, The computer also tried this back when you were in Santiago. The computer did not take into account the things that changed ever since. So if you have another strategy that you think you can employ, go for it. I'm worried that our cover as nuclear scientists might effectively be compromised, if not actually fully compromised, but effectively, because they're going to inevitably tie back to us at this airstrip. Could we come up with new cover identities? It seems a little more difficult now that we are sort of lacking resources, but is that an option? I think John Doe looks like, well, I mean, there's always the most basic trick to getting across country without being noticed. What's that? Bust into a train car. Never did that? No, I, I definitely have. That's not a terrible idea, honestly. I mean, if we're searching at a military checkpoint, that could be a little awkward, but how long can you hold your breath? Reasonably long. I mean, you know, normal amount of long. Pretty long. So, fun fact about train hopping, they usually don't check at every stop. In fact, they usually only check when it gets to the destination. If we hop on a freight, I'll punch some air holes in it for you. We should be okay. Keep the door closed, keep quiet. I don't remember personally. Um, Pluto, did I, I? No, I did bring the bike. Hmm. Well, the bike doesn't breathe. We can just throw it in there with us. You know, I was initially worried about the possibility of having to sort of sneak motorcycle that is quite large onto a train car, but y'all are both real strong. We can, yeah, we can make this work. Please don't destroy my bike. I would be very upset. There's one fly in the ointment. Go on. We need a freight train schedule. 
Well, we can definitely probably obtain one of those. I don't think that'll be all that difficult. I feel like you should probably be the face in the crowd, as it were. That's kind of a skill set you're pretty well suited for. So if you can snag one of that, we can probably set up some sort of distraction or somewhat, something that you can use to get something like that. You think that would work? I've never had to do it through a place in an active military conflict, but I used to do it all the time back in the States. Place in an active military conflict is certainly a little more high alert, but I'm sure we can find ways around that. Uh, yeah, I've got some thoughts, but all right. John Doe, remember, last time we saw him, he was wearing, like, he had exploded partially out of his academic blazer. As he's not taking it off, he's just shedding key parts of it, throwing the tie away, like, ripping it some more in other places, throwing the glasses off. All right, let's go down to the train station. We might even be able to just see one on the wall. I doubt it because our military conflict, but who knows? Uh, yeah, all right. Is there a place that... For now, I could stash the bike, or should I just ride it through the city? I mean, I guess currently it's on the the autos parking. Yeah, I mean, we could probably just leave it there until we know when we're about to try to get out of here. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I just try to leave it in full like camouflage mode, looking as nondescript as possible, and I try to make sure that I'm parked as correctly as possible. Cannot overstate how much Johnny is concerned about losing this bike. I shouldn't have said that out loud. Oh well. This is going to be a challenge, so you're going to have three squares so that you can sneak away without drawing attention, so that you can get into a freighter train without problems, and then you have a timer of three, two. So whenever you try something, the timer is going to advance, and if the timer fails, you're going to get attention. So as you go around into Cordova, you figure out that uh, something like the freighter train is going to be tightly controlled because as you go around walking, you hear at the distance some explosion and you hear the sirens and you see a bunch of fire trucks going there. You wonder what is going on, but uh, the control of the city seems a bit tenuous and uh, you manage to get directions to the to the many warehouses around the main station and uh, you figure who might be handling the freighters and as you approach you see various jeeps and uh, stop points of ERP the revolutionary forces as you see people patrolling it there are helicopters coming in and out and you realize that uh, Trains from Cordova and to Cordova are moving in and out and are essential to maintain the region supplied and the people that uh, have been uh, able to secure their freedom to keep it. And you can recognize from the, the helicopters that many of them, they are clear from the USSR. And uh, it's not like custom, but... A lot of third world nations have USSR equipment for obvious reasons. A lot of these, they seem to be recent things that you only know by their NATO identifiers. So you think that there are some USSR active help to the rebel forces at this moment. You don't know where and probably the Americans don't know where or are not making that known because they are not ready for an intervention 
with an escalation, but uh, it seems that there is a more substantial force here. And it's with some relief to do figure that uh, you dealt with Matryoshka now and early because if, if they needed some friends, they would probably be able to find them in the country or nearby. It's good that you handle that now. So, need to break in on one of these warehouses or somehow get the schedule. So, what are you going to do maneuvering this region? And uh, on the quarter that, that most of these warehouses are located, there is a large building, uh, which seems to be an old factory, that uh, seems to be the, the local command center for the Revolutionary Army. And you can see the flag of the RRP uh, above it. Okay, so in front of the, of the local headquarters of the RRP, you also see what seem to be a few cooperatives and some office of various trade unions which seem to be working with the RP to manage the logistics of the occupied urban zones. So this is the space to which you need to maneuver either bypassing or somehow befriending the Exército Revolucionario del Pueblo. Sal, and I'm sorry, Ludo, I didn't write this down, and I should have. I'm a bad boy. What are the boxes we have to check? Three, while avoiding filling the timer. And the timer is also three? Yeah. John's going to look at the situation, nod. Look over at Johnny Jennings. Johnny? Yeah. As he says this, you do notice that John Doe is like, purposely, again, putting little rips in the clothes and key places that he's wearing. He's like, I need you to do me the biggest favor I've ever asked you. What's that? I need you to walk right into that station like you own the place. If anyone questions you, you're a foreign engineer to help tighten the railway and see if you can find a freight schedule. Uh, I mean, I can give that a whirl. Um, Remember, suddenly John like starts straightening Highway physically, if he allows him to touch him. Yeah, yeah, he would. Adjusting his shoulders so he's standing straight back. Just like, remember, you're here. You hate being here. You hate being in this country. All you want to do is get your job done as fast as possible, and you're not afraid to raise your voice to do that. All right. Hey, John. Yeah? You made this whole thing sound like it was going to be a lot more of an ordeal than that. I'm. Am I supposed to believe? Oh, no, this is just... This is just step one. You going to clue me in on the rest of the steps? Uh, make it up as we go. Well, all right. That doesn't seem like it could possibly go badly. <sighs> just, just come back here when you're done. All right. Uh, yeah, I guess it's not like like a very active or physical thing. But he sort of starts. He just takes a second and sort of like psychs himself up and like pretends that he's just like trying to be as American about this as possible. I guess. And uh, he's like, all right, all right, we got to I'm here. I'm here to do business. I'm 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 and remember, you're an international. You love the Soviet Union. Remember, and like John Doe would know this. Brad does it. Whoever the premier of the Soviet Union is, John Doe would be like, that's that's his name. So about the Soviet Union, 
Vernev is dead. The problem is they have not figured out the premiership now. So they ha- kind of have a shared premiership with Andropov and Chernenko. And either of those is pretty bad news. And the good things is that they are enough bad news at each other that they keep this uneasy balance of power until it becomes decided which of them becomes the premier. So usually, and uh, this is very common on American propaganda, uh, you know, they are called the two consuls of the USSR. And they are, you know, they are depicted in a Roman style and uh, corrupt and whatnot by the, the propaganda machine. But the thing is, recently, uh, there has been a third person that has been gaining power, which has been uh, Grigory Romanov. They are very forward-looking to the innovations of the Cybernetic International, and they try to apply its technologies, but not really their ideology, to reforming the Soviet Union. The power of this organization is such that they are basically becoming a de facto third premier. So it is a joke based on the propaganda by the West that uh, the Americans think there's a dual consulship, but uh, it's actually the third triumvatum that uh, actually it's these three men that actually rule the Soviet empire. Love that. So uh, let me allow me to actually give an even better cover now that because John Doe would have known all of this. Uh, all right. So remember, you are an expert. Or you work for Romanov's faction. He's your guy. You're here to help. You're doing preliminary work to help make the rail lines delivering supplies more efficient. You're the man, Johnny, right? Uh, sh- sure. Romanov. All right. Um, Romanov's my guy trying to make things more efficient really going to have to work to cut out the accent. And remember, if somebody starts talking about supply lines, what do you say? They're always too damn slow. Alright, I was just going to say, do what I say. Yeah, that's actually a better sort of... Okay. Supply lines are too damn slow. Everything needs to be more efficient. Romanov has a personal interest in this matter. Yeah, this is going to go fine. So, does anyone want to do anything to put some boosts on the table? Please, God. I absolutely was about to say, because what this really is, the man who used to be John Doe kind of leaking through, this is very much a, I'm, you know, this is how I'm going to help you infiltrate this as quickly and efficiently as possible. I'm not going to give you a big, complicated story. I'm just going to put you right where you need to be. Uh, So I'd actually like to roll intuition, random access memories, and my status die to create this boost. Like, John Doe doesn't realize how much of this is the other guy coming through, and if someone points out, he'll, it won't be good, so just, you know. I mean, I got a six, which I believe is up to. Yeah, it's a plus two. Okay, and I'm going to name it Easy Cover Story. Can I create a boost of... I kind of want to be Johnny's, like, bodyguard, as we were, because this is an active war zone. So just to kind of supply an imposing presence that like, okay, let's not mess with this guy. He's got a big person next to him. Okay, makes sense. Yeah, that's awful. 
I got a two. Yeah, so that's going to be a one boost. So what is going to be like? Inexperienced bodyguard. Yeah, go for it then, Henry Man. Describe how you are entering the temporary local headquarters in this state of the Jersey to Revolutionary del Pueblo. Johnny is trying to maintain the physicality that John just kind of put him into and trying to make it seem perfectly normal that he has Bezerkir you know, sort of lockstep behind him. And I think he walks into this building. Or Are there guards like on the outside of the building or anything that would need to be kind of attended to there? No. I mean, you know, people... <laughs> You're going to be walking in a place full of voluntaries and militia. So <laughs> what are the guards doing outside? Right. Um, yeah, I think he would walk straight in if he can see a sort of clear the entrance you're supposed to use. Then pauses briefly just to kind of scan the room and look for, for a freight train schedule if he can just see one. But also if he can't see one, obviously, then he will be looking for a desk or some sort of like, you know, central point where where someone would go to get directions and information and to kind of show up and be like, hey, I'm here to do stuff. It's like professional. So if he can see something like that when he walks into the room, he would kind of beeline to that as after just sort of a brief pause to scan the room. Let's roll for it and tag the boosts that you want to tag. For now, I'm just going to take the the inexperienced bodyguard boost, I think. That is a nine. I think that's good. Nine is one of the higher numbers. So let's take one box on the timer. You enter the building and uh, you are projecting that you should be here. And uh, despite a few side glances, especially, you know, with your massive bodyguard by your side, people are keeping attention to you everyone is seeing what you do but nobody is moving to intercept you you enter the building and uh, you walk through its corridors without slowing down the pace because you are supposed to be here you know where you are but actually you are just treading in random directions as you go from one side to the other and all the walls of the corridors they are covered by poster after poster and uh, it's all posters of missing people and uh, it's just hundreds and hundreds on every direction that you turn and that's all that you can see in the direction I'm walking through this complex would I be able to like sort of kind of take like almost like mental snapshots of them in, in like a certain way uh to where, like, if there were maybe any sort of, like, related details or similar things, any sort of weird, like, tie between these missing people that I might be able to kind of start sussing that out? Yeah, you take that, but uh, you are not able to trace a pattern. You try to compartmentalize, you try to get pattern, but at some point it just start blurring together. And uh, you hear the ringing of phones coming from a place nearby, and you turn around hoping that these will be a bit different and uh, yeah you'll find yourself in a row where the walls they have wooden panels there are a few less missing posts here instead there's there's a lot of big maps 
about different track routes, about different supplies drops, and uh, you can see six people manning different stations. They look exhausted. There is the smell of grease and uh, burnt coffee. And uh, yeah, and uh, you can hear people talking in Spanish on the phone and another phone rings and you hear someone talking something in Russian. And as you instinctively turn on that direction, you notice that there is what seemed to be a waiting room that now is full of crates. And you see a man sleeping in between those crates. And you recognize the man. You recognize the man because the man used to work on the Cousiners and Frontiers. It is to be one of the veterans of 74 that was one of the chefs of Cruzeners and Frontiers. And you know that uh, after the Civil War broke, that he, among a lot of other veterans, went to support the Exército Revolucionario del Pueblo in Argentina. What do you remember about Franco Dragotini? definitely have had like some sort of conversation that there's always kind of that camaraderie that comes with we both fought in wars um so like you know initially upon meeting him the thing that johnny kind of picked up was that sort of military discipline like that physicality that comes with having spent time in a very regimented sort of militaristic structure and sort of the way that he took to instructions and got tasks done very quickly and just like tried to push himself to get better at things. That was just what Johnny kind of noticed at first when he first started visiting Cousinus on Frontier. But I think over time, what he really started to notice was that Franco always had an absolutely incredible vintage of whatever wine. And Johnny's, I think we've kind of previously established this, Johnny's not a wine guy. Franco was kind of teaching him to appreciate. Uh, Ludo, am I right in interpreting that Franco is Italian? Yeah, Dragatini is Italian. I thought that was what the case was. Yeah, so Franco was teaching him about uh, regional Italian wine, which is one of the most hyper-regional sort of wine canons in the world. And Franco's knowledge of it is absurdly in-depth. Absolutely could be like a high-level sommelier if he wanted to, and clearly just did not want to. He just really liked and appreciated this. So it was that. And then he's also really good at just like rustic Tuscan-style cooking. I mean, like it's a lot of, you know... Very hearty, like peasant food that has been just refined over generations and generations of of just tiny little tweaks. Like it's it's the definition of food that has been made with love many many times over. So every time that they were cooking, <laughs> fuck off. Italian tortellini had been folded ten thousand times by Italian nonna. It's <laughs> fucking it's, to make the deadliest tortellini to man. Just the one tortellini that will annihilate the entire planet. Yeah, I mean, it's not uh, like I, I don't think Franco really dealt much with like uh, like obviously can make pasta, does make pasta when when that is what it is. I think it's honestly he has a lot of perfection with like uh, just a lot of per, like just personal history and perfection with cured meats, especially like he does a lot of the curative stuff. So pretty much any time there was cured meat in house at Cousineau Sun Frontiers was probably something that Franco had worked on. And when he left, it was very obvious that he was no longer there because that just kind of stopped 
showing up on the menu as as regularly. I mean, uh, maybe that is the case because I don't remember any nice good meats on any of or lunches there. So, Burger King, you don't know this man, but uh, Highwayman just stops and is looking at them. And as you look at this man taking a nap, what can you tell uh, has this man been going through on the war in Argentina? I kind of want to say the military bureaucracy of uh, item acquisition and logistics, because that would make sense. That's that's why they're there is to make sure that the that their platoon is getting what they need. But it's such a runaround because it's bureaucracy and you got to have form 89B. Oh, wait, how do I get form 89B? Well, you need the blue form. Well, where do I get the blue form? You go to window 147. And it's all that stuff. And that's what they've been going through. And they, they, they just finally said, I'm going to take a quick nap and it turned into a longer nap. And that's why they're napping. Well, that's the situation. So you are inside the building. You are giving your free leave. You are in a corner where things seem to be happening. You know Franco Dragatini, but you know for sure that he will also know you. So... You can try to wake them up and introduce to them so you you know someone that can tell you what has been happening there and can help you, but the cover is going to be blown up or you can keep doing it on your own. So what is going to be the next action or do we want to see what John Doe is doing on the meantime? I, for one, kind of want to just briefly cut over to John Doe, see what just wild nonsense is happening outside while we're about to just like start talking to bureaucrats. If that's okay with you, Brad. Absolutely. Brad, you are planning to, once you have a schedule to get the three of you and uh, the motorcycle on a freighter train. So I guess that's what you are working on now. The next step of the play, in all honesty, you know, to, to reveal what John Doe has not revealed to Highwaymen, the plan is so simple because the simpler the plan is, the more likely it is to succeed. And the more audacious a plan is, the more likely it is to succeed. What we see is John Doe looking for a handcart big enough to fit the bike on because John Doe's plan is right now he looks like a grungy, normal person in the city. He's going to grab the cart, put the bike on it, wheel it right through a security checkpoint while making a big complaining about, uh, oh yeah, this is for a VIP. This is only after they have the, the train schedule. This is the important part. This is why the whole plan hinges on them getting the schedule. Uh, while he does that, especially now, Highwayman and Berserker are just going to walk through the same checkpoint saying that they're VIPs and then they're going to sneak onto a freight train car that's set to be locked in the minutes before the lock comes on it wait until they get where they need to do and then just and then just punch out of it. A freight train car is only a rolling coffin if you don't have super strength. Okay, so I think being prepared in advance, Highwayman could have created a boost to prove that this VIP is real. So how about you give a boost for that? Definitely. Um... I also like to imagine that the reason we're seeing this is because Highwayman literally has that like Sherlock Holmesian. Oh, that's his plan. I mean, yeah, that is very much. That's kind of Johnny's thing. That's a three. That's a three on that one. 
Yeah, so that will be a, a plus one boost. I guess that's basically gonna be a document with the name of your new identity. I'll call this uh, I'll call this boost the best laid plans, but it's in quotes. Okay, Jando, go for it. Use that boost if you want. I'm absolutely going to. It's a hundred percent. What you see is just as soon as they look at it, Jando is using intuition and figuring out guy at the gate is a person who hates dealing with VIPs. And so using intuition and conviction to make it sound as serious as possible. Like, look, man, I don't really want to deal with this. I know you don't want to deal with this. I just have to bring this dude's weird vanity bike through the checkpoint. You know, it sucks. I know it sucks. Do you really want him in here complaining, though? I don't, because uh, then it'll be a whole mess. Can I use genuinely the principle of amnesia? Because this is a completely fresh perspective on the idea of sneaking in. He's just doing the most obvious, audacious thing he can. Yeah, I forgot to include the plus one, but it would be a five. Yeah. So do you want a minor twist or do you want to fail this one? I'll take a minor twist. It's better to take the minor twist. We can't afford really to fail without causing the timer to fail. Okay, let's see. Uh, what would be a nice minor twist? So how about you sneaking, but someone else also sneaks in into the freighter train and you either have to call attention to that and miss this opportunity or you have to not say anything and know that someone else is also on the freighter train. All right, I like that. And these people are going to be definitely bad news. Yeah. Uh, no, I definitely, I like that. Who is it? So, as you are talking, people are distracted with you, and you see a black van crossing the other street and disappearing between the train tracks. And you see a bunch of people with their faces covered, carrying military equipment that for sure these people, they are not associated in any way with the Revolutionary Army. And they seem to be moving in into the fighter train. And you know that whatever they want to do, it's not going to be good. But you also know that if you're going to go inside... You cannot do that after you raise the alarm and you point out that, uh, hey, there's a bunch of masked guys with guns that are on board of the freighter today now. So what does John do, though? Shit. All right. Internally, I think there's a way we can still make this plan work, but it's going to make all of the later steps of this plan much harder. Because reasonably, Highwayman can always flip it to like, okay, now I need to ride on this train. And we'll be riding it legitimately, but that creates its own problems, including increased scrutiny. On the other hand, if I don't say anything, there's going to be guys with guns aboard, which is also a pretty big problem. The hardest choice I've had to make is John Doe in a while. You know what? These guys with guns might be a fight for us later, or they might create some problems for the Revolutionary Army. But the thing that might create even more problems is Philip deciding to fucking hit the button and plunging the world into the next Stone Age. John Doe is not going to say anything. So how about we get back to the others? Yeah, let's do that. Well, seems like everything's fine. I don't know anything about any of that. 
so we're still seeing Franco asleep in the thing, right? Yeah. Well, what have you decided to do? I mean, Johnny likes this guy. I don't feel like we should say anything because it's going to compromise us, right? I mean, like, you know, if Franco doesn't know that we're here and doesn't like and isn't involved with us, then that's just like less stuff for later. You, you're going to have to explain this to Berserker because Berserker has no idea why you are looking at this guy. I think I try to just keep moving as soon as I at, like as the shock of that just kind of wears off. And I will try to just kind of subtly say to Berserker, I, I know that guy. Uh, we need to not get seen by him. And also, uh, we need to pretend like we don't know him. I think Berserker completely misunderstands what's going on. And because of the instance with uh, the party and forgot the character's name. I'm so sorry. The lesbian uh, buff girl that doesn't like to beat people up for some reason. Sobrana. Sobrana. And they completely misunderstand this, but they understand that, okay, we need to not get involved with that person right now because they will blow our cover. So Berserker just nods and says, all right, I I will pretend to not know that person. I don't know. Perfect. Pretend also that I do not know them. I guess, I mean, that shouldn't, uh, thinking about it now that I've said that, actually, that shouldn't be that hard. We should keep moving. And I think I head toward, you said there was an area with like like phones ringing and stuff and people who were working, Ludo. Is that where, does that seem like the kind of place where I should go if I was asking for information? Yeah, you are there. So, I mean, you can hear different six, around six different phones going in and out and people talking. So you can probably just walk into a random one. But uh, how are you going to get what you want? That is the question. That certainly is a question. Mm-hmm. You said we could already hear voices in Russian, yes? You hear one of the guys was talking in Russian, yeah. Does it look like someone who's from the USSR or does it? look like an Argentinian translator. Uh, it seems like an Argentinian that speaks Russian. Okay. Then I'm not going to worry about that a ton right now. I try to not go to that one, though, specifically because it seems like that one would have an easier time of communicating with. Assuming the Kremlin is my concern here, that's that's still the seat of power, so to speak, in, in the USSR, correct, in this timeline? Yeah. So, yeah, since I'm assuming that person who speaks Russian would have an easier time talking to the Kremlin than the rest of them, I'm going to go to a different one of these random people and walk up and say, Hello, I am here on behalf of my uh, my good friend Romanov, and uh, I'm, uh, I'm here to help with sort of the engineering issues you've been having here as far as the supply structure. Uh, I need to see a freight train schedule quick as you like. Thank you so much. He's trying very hard to inflect that sort of, I'm being friendly, but there's still something threatening about it, just sort of naturally in his voice. So you're going to accompany that with the role? Yeah, it certainly seems like I should do that. Yeah. Is there any way that Berserker can help on this situation? I know we're kind of beating the dead horse. I do feel like the way that Berserker could help the best is just that they're big and scary. <laughs> And they could just be behind Johnny, just be just like the tiniest little completely stone faced nod. Just very casually bending something that shouldn't be bent into a two into like an L and then back again. Oh, that would be good. Okay, so where's the key? Break and Bezer here be fidgeting with something that one should not be able to fidget with. Strength, imposing, and my status die of a D8. Yay. Um, I don't think this really any of my principles would apply. It's a boost, so no. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Okay. I think that's a boost of two? A four? I got a four? Uh, I 
think, yeah, that's a two. So what is the boost? Absent-mindedly imposing. So time for that roll, Highwayman. I'm going to take absent-mindedly imposing for now, because I think easy cover story can still play for a little bit of a wider purpose. They're both plus two boosts. Plus two, what do we got? That's a ten. Let's go, baby. What was everything that you opened to get from this? Uh, we, we, we mentioned it in mockery, not in veneration. I think what I am hoping for the most is, of course, a freight train schedule. Wasn't kidding about that. Preferably, if possible, like, I would love to... Like, I mean, like, I would like as much information about, like, how the freight train system works as possible so that maybe I could identify, like, oh, this is where we're going to be least likely to be noticed or, like, you know, stuff that would basically give Johnny just enough information to, like, really kind of nail that cover story down, at least as far as, like, how the logistics of all of this would work. And then kind of behind that, just being so kind of jarring and out of nowhere for this person that they don't really think to, like, talk to other people about it, that, like, it's just a sort of full, just, like, shock in a way where they're just like they're just like oh yes of course and then they just kind of get flustered and then end up trying to get back to what they were doing before so that at least a good amount of time passes before they think I should mention this to someone because I'm sure they will at some point that's the broad strokes of what I'm hoping for (laughs) we'll see how much of that I actually get so you go inside and uh, you see a tired man scratching his mustache and in front of him is the thingamajigger that is the name on your table it is written there Tomas Vega and the man looks at you looks at your bodyguard hears you out and do you see a conflict going on there as there is an opportunity for small bureaucracy tyrant at someone that stumbles upon their domains and they get to use their power to make their life hell, but they look at the bodyguard, they think no, 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 this cannot be worth it, and they are too tired for pettiness, and they just stretch on their squeaking chair, look at a bunch of notes on the placard, rip one out and hand to you. These are the schedules of the ones that are leaving this week. And from here, you can get all the way through the rails to Buenos Aires, Rosario, and to command. Uh, thank you, uh, Senor Vega. Your assistance is much appreciated. You have yourself a excellent rest of the day. Johnny, is, again, he's trying to maintain that friendly but threatening kind of thing and because this was so easy he's basically trying to kind of convey I'm not going to make your day any more difficult. You did that. Good for you. And he's going to, I think as he turns, just to kind of like really sort of lean into the persona, he just says to uh, Pezrakir, alright, let's go. That's a thing. Because you know because it seems clear that <laughs> Sam does not know. Uh, these are all places that are not where you want to go. So when he informs you of that, you realize that, oh, then you need to get into another train other than the ones that he gave you the schedule to. Oh, shit. No, oh, yeah, I did not pick up on that. But now you know where they are. So it seems desperate for you to get out. And as soon as you say that, he goes back to work. But now you know where the schedules are and you're going to be passing there on your way out. And now you can look. 
Mm, yeah, okay. Um, so I would do that, and then I think if I'm going to be passing the place with the schedules on the way out, that's when I'm going to start leaning into the like quote-unquote cover story. I think this is going to be a situation in which he barges into this this place where the schedules are are kept. Is that also where they're like where they're made, where they're set up? Yeah, uh, you can see that a lot of them they are written with pencil, and uh, you can see from what he's writing now that now that it seems to be his handwriting. So yeah, it's the guy we just left writing. Yeah, he's gonna play up the theater here a little bit as much as he as much as he is able to. He starts to kind of like again. He says, "Let's go," and sort of starts to march out as he's looking at the schedule and stops in the doorway. He, as he stops with this schedule in one hand, he sort of kind of almost lazily like holds up a hand behind him to Bezerkir just to indicate a stop. And he like cocks his head and turns back around and says, Senor Vega, I beg your pardon. Did you make this particular schedule? Yes. I apologize for taking so much of your time today, but uh, these routes are wildly ineffective. Can you explain that for me? I'm sorry, what? Johnny's just going to start making up. He's going to start just jargoning a bunch. He's going to just find his, the option to just... He's he's trying to, trying to I, guess, I think, probably emulate John Doe and just start just hitting him with, like, a, a, essentially the, the verbal equivalent of just a barrage of text. So he's going to try and, and just babble his way out of this. I don't have that knowledge in me, in me, Sam, the player. So I'm just going to say that Johnny is trying to do that. I mean, if I need to make a roll about it, I will. No, you don't need it. I mean, if your goal is to confuse this man, you are confusing this man. <laughs> I want to confuse him into doing what I what I want him to do, which is like making sure that I can find or organize a train to get us where we need to go instead of instead of what's outright just listed right here. Well, yeah, I mean, you confuse him so much that uh, look, look, there are these train services that they are. They are trains from Fabricaciones Militares. We are not supposed to let people there. I guess you can take this one. You will get it faster there. Are there obvious like drawbacks to what, what he's trying to get me to, to do that like stand in the way of what we need? No, no. Well, I mean, there will be no drawbacks on the other ones. It's more that you will need to change trains at some point. Otherwise, we'll be going north instead of south. This, this is going to take you there. The thing is that, you know, it's uh, owned by a state company. Okay. Uh, that part feels like a later problem, considering sort of the time-sensitive nature of this whole deal. Uh, no, it's more about the problem being in which train going to be the guys with guns. That is the problem, which is not, uh, you know, a highwayman problem. It's a John Doe problem. Yeah, I don't know nothing about that. Seems like everything's fine. <laughs> You know, sure. I mean, the only thing is, you know, on the other, it's going to be probably supplies on this one. There might be, I don't know, artillery pieces, ammo and other staff wages for soldiers. That's not a problem, right? It's the train's going to get to the place safely. No, that that seems fine. Yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. For sure. Everything sounds all of that sounds fine and great and totally okay. And there's nothing there's nothing to be concerned about there. Yeah, once I have the information that I need, I'm going to sort of go back to like, thank you so much for your help. And I'm just going to, you know, I think is as gently condescending as it possibly could be without making this person's day any more difficult. 
Um, and then I'm going to try to get back to John Doe, I think, with this information, with as much of it as... Yeah, 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 yeah. you completed the, the challenge. You're going to be able to get out of Cordova without raising attention. So you are able to get together, getting ready to get in the train or in the train as you want. You can take it. You mechanically, you have succeeded. Perfect. I, I like to think that it's, you know, just like Highwayman and Joachim running out to the train yard, just seeing John Doe, like, all right, wh- what train are we in? Uh, it looks like from the uh, information I've got, it's uh, it's that one right over there. All right. Uh, so none of you guys have ridden train before. So let me give you some important warnings. I've, ri- I've ridden on a train before. First of all, these cars. Have you ever ridden on a freight train where you're not supposed to ride? Yeah, man. I grew up poor. Okay, then you know the warning. Joachim has it. Joachim, stay near the air hole because if the door gets closed, these cars are airtight and you'll die horribly. Now help me get this bike in there. Okay. Ideally looking for one where there's not a lot of ammo stored. I will say if we do end up one with a lot of ammo stored, Johnny does not mind because it's good to have that. And as soon as we're in and the door slams shut, John Doe just goes to each of the walls near where they're going to be sitting and just... He just takes his pointer finger and uses super strength to punch a hole out, punch a couple holes out like they're like, like they're freaking frogs in a jar. We, we basically are frogs in a jar. Think about it. I know. And as soon as they're punched out, he sits down and uh, they don't want to make too much noise because they don't want to be searched. Writes a note. Uh, would he have a piece of paper or pencil? They were disguised intellectuals, probably. And he writes a note to show to Iowa Man that says there's guys with guns on this train. Uh, Johnny takes it um, and his eyes widen a little bit. I think he also shows the note to Pesrick here. Oh, dear. Yeah. Then when he has it, he uh, flips it over and then writes on the back. Change of plans, question mark. Right. He takes it, nods, takes out another piece of paper. No, still best way out of city. Probably going to be some nasty superhero stuff, though. Uh, Johnny takes that, looks at it for like a long time and just sort of pinches the bridge of his nose and rubs that and just kind of nods, passes that note onto Bezirkir as well. And very, very quietly, I think, says, should we uh, settle in then? Just be ready for it. That's what I think. Right. Also, our characters, we definitely need to have a brief montage of us learning some sort of sign language. That would have made this whole scene much easier. Yeah, at some point we will definitely, we'll, we'll just throw down some sign language. Bren, is there a, a specific type of sign language to Bezirkir's culture and or homeland? Probably. I haven't done much research into ancient Norse sign language, but I'm sure it exists. If such a thing exists, it would probably be really good for Bezirk here to teach us that. Yeah. <laughs> if they know it, mainly because I very much doubt other people would know it, so our hand signs would be secret to most everyone. And then we could do cool sand signs instead of talking like, you know, super spies should. Yeah, or like, say, at parties when someone's just saying, I'm uncomfortable and I want to leave. <laughs> yeah. Remember when we started out this arc like that? That was nice. Now we're sneaking it. Now we're busking aboard trains. And who knows? We might need to hitchhike the rest of the way. At least that's one thing that Johnny Jennings is probably pretty good to do. Don't we have a motorcycle? But I guess that only carries two people. Uh, either John Doe or I can spend take turns in the cart and jumping. <laughs> we can always incredible Hulk our way. Now, now, hang on. Canonically, what we've decided is that Johnny sits in the front, John Doe sits on the back, and then Bezerkir gets the sidecar. 
we've established this. I, I specifically resized the sidecar for Bezzer here. Yeah. Also, we can. There might be a Jeep on this train we could borrow. Granted, the last time John Doe was John Doe shouldn't drive, but yeah, you you destroyed a whole Jeep, I think, didn't you? Yeah, I crashed it. Uh, and God willing, John Doe will destroy more Jeeps. I was so hoping that was exactly what you were going to say. And God willing, I'll crash this one too. <laughs> but uh, I think after having this conversation entirely sketched out on notebook paper, John Doe takes his what remains of his blazer off, rolls it up, makes it a pillow, and leans back. Uh, yeah, Johnny leans back and sort of like up against the wall and sort of tilts his Stetson hat forward. I don't know if he's going to sleep necessarily, but he's trying to rest as much as he can while also being kind of alert. Same. Yeah, so you set into the long haul because this train is going to go all the way from Cordoba to Nilken, which, let's just say, it's a lot in case you don't have a map open. Just at some point, we get John Doe to punch like a specific hole for us to use the bathroom out of, and then we're fine. Yeah, and uh, you expect this to be a non-stop train, you know? The thing is, it's stopping. As in it's stopping, like, regularly, or it is stopping right now? No, 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 it's stopping right now. Is it a sudden? You hear the squeaking of the emergency brakes, and it just halts. So, uh, you think it's a local militia about to board and search it, or do you think those guys with guns just took over the front, and they're going to search it? Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's John Doe voicing that out loud to Highwayman and and Berserk here try and see what I can see outside the peephole. I will also do that, I think. But not... Thank you, thank you, Brad, but not the peephole. That's very important. Yeah. If anyone cuts out my bathroom jokes that I've made here, I will I will, I will go on strike. I will go on podcast strike. <laughs> you look outside and you see that uh, you seem to be in some kind of wetland, and uh, you see some massive rats with slightly curved triangular ears and a nonchalant attitude and uh, round boopy noses as they just non-faced just walk around the place. You've never seen rats so big. And walking. Okay. I will write on a piece of paper somehow big rat person or is this is this a person rat or is it just a giant it's a capybara yeah it's a bunch of carpentries that's what you see from the hole it's not like you can see much oh okay so it's not a rat person but i, I will giant rats uh, actually i think you might not be alone i maybe none of the three of you have ever seen a carpentry because Chili is on the other side of the end, so there are no capybaras there. So maybe the others are just as clueless. I've been to a zoo before. John Doe does kind of lead, look out, right on the same piece of paper that they've just been... Oh, I thought you were talking about, like, CIA agents or something. Those guys seem okay. Yeah, Johnny just looks out the people and sees them, and he's like, y'all, they're just capybaras. They're fine. They're They're very harmless animals maybe the most harmless animals i can think of if i'm being perfectly honest doesn't look like a place for a military checkpoint so do you think there's a capybara on the line i don't think they would have stopped to be terribly honest 
Well, you bummed me up, but that's probably a good point. I think that it's probably those nice gentlemen with guns are going to start searching the cars now. Any minute now. So uh, hold on. John Doe does his crazy ninja stuff and is now like he punches both hands up. So he has a handhold in the roof and is waiting above where the where the train car door is going to open. Boy, I don't know what to do here. There's really I like this is so outside of Johnny's skill set. Like, I definitely could have planned ahead, but I don't know what plan there is that explains like, no, I'm just hanging out in this normally vacuum sealed car. Even if I am a just a just a train jumper, I feel like I'm still going to get in quite a lot of trouble because there are holes in this thing. Uh, I'm wondering if we should just, you know, dump the train and take the bike the rest of the way. It's going to be bumpy in this swamp, but if we stay along the track lines, we should be okay. Bumpy is kind of a generous way of putting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Get out of here, because I don't know. Is this our problem? Should we, like, should we help? As much as Johnny probably has feelings about the things that are happening on this train, I think he also recognizes that, no, this is probably not our problem. Like, we have a problem, and we need to go deal with that, because it is the most important problem. It's a dolphin with nuclear bombs. So I don't think he's concerned about that part. I think he's pretty the concerns are all are all centered around. We need to not get spotted, even if Brad has suggested that if uh, some some folks knocked us at, like knocked us out and threw, threw us in here. These dudes with guns, I don't think have any motivation necessarily to care about that in a similar way to how we're saying this is not our problem. They're probably going to say that's not our problem, which is troubling. So we're making a run for it. I don't know if we can't like, do we Ludo, we would know like in any sort of active way, how to get where we're going from here. Right. Then that will be the challenge to get to figure out where you are and uh, getting to Patagonia. I, I mean, that would be one of two challenges. The, the first would be not being detected before we are able to make our exit. Yeah. Oh man. I mean, we can also wait 10 minutes. John Doe says this holder on the ceiling because it could be a technical issue. If we start moving again in the same direction, we're fine. Or if someone opens the door, we find our way past them and keep running. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't like the plan, but it's pretty, it's a, it's not a, but that doesn't make it a bad plan. I mean, uh, maybe it's just stopping to eat it. You know what? That, yeah, probably that. All right. Yeah. Let's just, uh, I guess let's see what happens. Just gets ready. I think he just, he just, like you know is like he has his weapon ready but probably out of sight of the door if somebody does open that and uh is trying to just is hoping the train will just start going again and as you do that you hear at the distance the sound of tracks and jeeps and uh, you can immediately from the distance get bad vibes from that you know that these are not associated in any way with the Zerzestu Revolutionario. They are not Soviet hardware. In fact, they seem to be old NATO hardware, which, you know, was used by the Argentinian army, which has been more than keen to support the fascists on the coup against Isabel Perón and uh, has been fighting the Exército Revolutionaries since forever, even if technically they kinda have supposed to be disbanded because uh, 
the CIA has turned back and said, yeah, yeah, this revolutionary is making too many gains. It's better that we support Isabel Peron instead of the military. Mm, Kissinger kind of fucked up this one. So better walk back. So supposedly they are to be toothless, but uh, apparently toothless, it still means that they can harm militias and can keep committing war crimes, such as whatever they are doing with the train now. Once we hear the old NATO hardware, I, I look down from my high perch. Do we bail or do we get involved? I'm saying that as a player. I genuinely don't know. I'm so distressed. Luna, I'm going to ask a bizarre question that you can absolutely feel free to me. Can we tell how much reinforcements they have? Sounds like it's a lot. Yeah, uh, sounds like they are coming here to basically pillage everything on this train. So it seems that whatever they are, they're going to get all this stuff that we're going to desert the revolutionary in the south. They're going to get it. And they have the people and the means to take it. I think our best play here, as merciless as it's going to sound, is to bail and... On our way out, the minute we can see someone out of town with a radio or something, radio in what happened here. We might be super folk, we might have the power to do a lot, but we still can't take on hundreds of people by ourselves. I'm not going to lie, the crazy thing that popped up in my head was, I was like, this is a truck full of artillery, we should set some sort of trap for them, but... I mean, if you want to, as you're leaving now, use your power to set this car to explode and deny them some access to it, I'm sure the revolutionaries would appreciate it. I kind of want to do that. I mean, the the revolutionaries need the rest of the shit on this train, right? They're not going to get it as it stands. Might as well not get it and hurt their enemy. That's a great point. Yeah, I want to make this car blow up right before we bail. Well, first, let's bail. I was just saying that. You're here. Now, hang on. Hi, now, now, Johnny was not saying that. Uh, Sam was saying that. I want to be ex- explicitly clear. I don't know if Johnny would say it in those sort of... I don't know if Johnny would say that in sort of those those very cut and dry, just sort of just cost of human life terms. You hear tapping across the train, which you recognize as Morse code. And you wait for a bit, and you see that it's someone repeating in Spanish. Is anyone here? Uh, Johnny immediately starts tapping back, yes. And you see a head come through the people, a mouse. This one actually a mouse, not like a pincho. And the tiny light cream mouse taps up. I grab the bike and I guess we'll follow the mouse up. Yeah, I turn around and I was like, hey, this mouse wants us to follow them. And honestly, things are weird. Let's do it. (laughs) All right. I follow the mouse, I guess. (laughs) So you climb your way to the top of the car and you see two flying figures come towards you and uh, they land on top of the car. And you can see that they are two young women uh, and uh, they are holding hands and uh, strolling towards you. And you can see by the colored ponchos and the masks that they are wearing that they are both superheroes and with the exercise revolutionary. And uh, one of them signals to you in Spanish, I'm Astra. This is Luna. Johnny just nods and I think just taps out in Morse code. Got a plan? 
Luna signals as I for you to hand over the rat. Oh yeah, I, I, I do. I don't. I don't. I, I have no wish to to stop this little mouse from doing its thing. So I, I set it down and let it run back over. She kisses the mouse and then puts the mouse against her ear and. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it seems like a fascist militia, Caracamadas, they have taken over the train. We should be getting the three of you safely. That should be our priority. Then we're gonna come down and kick these guys' butts. I mean, like, yeah. I mean, we can if you can help us get out of here. That'd be great. I mean, you've got this situation well in hand. You genuinely, you know, this sort of isn't our priority, but we we still don't want it to completely ruin y'all. That's as best as we can. You can see that. They are not asking questions, but the way that they look at you, they are asking questions. We're here because of a more uh, clear and present danger. There is something far away in Patagonia that we sort of need to be concerned about. Someone's got their finger on a button, and we need to stop that button from getting pushed. We don't have a ton of time. So however we can best sort of resolve this situation quickly, we're on board. Just, you know, tell us what we can do. I can take you there after we deal with this. Just can put you in some place safe. That'd be fantastic. Do you need help sort of dealing with all this? And they look at the small army coming towards the train. And uh, you can see they tighten the grip on each other's hand. And they try to look more confident than they are. And uh, Astra signals back. Yeah, we'll find we are heroes. This is what we do. We'll find a way. I don't want to sort of mitigate the fact that that was pretty cool, what you just did, because that was pretty cool. We also have sort of a particular set of skills, maybe of assistance to you. Just saying, you know, heroes don't have to go without help. Yeah. How are you going to introduce yourself to these young women that say, hey, uh, we can help too. We are also superheroes. How much are you going to say? <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Just a sec. Just a sec. Because... I really thinking Berserk here is just going to charge into that army at any moment if you don't stop them. Like, they got that look, and you've seen that look several times. So the question is, do you, do either of you notice this and s- try and stop Berserk here from just, like, going into battle? I would notice it. Yeah. As a former military officer who has had to deal with people who want to get a little too like i've definitely dealt with this before he makes sure that bezerk here sees the hand first and then very gently sort of tries to rest it on you know a shoulder a knee something like that and he's like not yet we're gonna need that energy but we gotta we gotta temper it here okay at this point we've already revealed that we're here because of a nuclear threat we haven't revealed the nuclear threat yet i was purposely vague about that We've implied that there's a serious threat to the the whole of everything. Do you guys think it would be a terrible move to just reveal to these two? So I think that I've been enjoying nonetheless is that uh, the part about the nuclear threat, it's something that the three of you invented. Wait, how do you mean? And I'm loving it. What? Wait, did the dolphin not threaten nuclear bombs? That's your interpretation of the message, but it was never outstated. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, oh, fuck. <laughs> the only thing that you were confirming is that they got Durak's technology. They've got Durak's technology, and in their message, they, they mentioned nuclear fire. 
while they open with a nuclear mushroom. That's it. Yeah. Okay, that's not an unreasonable conclusion to draw. Then it's just like if you're gonna shed me mushroom clouds, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna look at a mushroom cloud and think zebra. So that's come on. I, I no, no, it's not. <laughs> yeah, just saying, just saying. If you say you've got a big thing and you show me a picture of a mushroom cloud, I'm gonna be like, it's probably a nuclear bomb. <laughs> just saying that that's everything that you have on this. <laughs> God, I can't wait until we get back to System 4 and they're like, so what did you do over in Argentina? It's like, well, we thought we were stopping a nuclear bomb, but actually it was just like some random bullshit where like the dolphin was going to turn everybody into dolphin people. No, directs. the thing that's scary is that uh, Greater Porpoise is really depressed and we know that Dorax's technology can do fun things like um, summon asteroids. Yeah. Summon asteroids that can also create just enormous, enormous, enormous numbers of clones for whatever reason. That's not great either. Don't the CIA have all the cloning facilities? Ostensibly, they do have some sort of agency over those cloning facilities. Yeah. Boy, that's going to be a fun conversation that we get to have at the end of this thing if we don't die. Mm hmm. I think it's a bad play to just reveal to at least these two. Hey. Ludo, that's the question. I know we went over last session, but that was two weeks ago. What is System 4's attitude towards the revolutionary government? What's the revolutionary government's attitude towards System 4? Uh, well, uh, they are communists, so they don't like cybernetics in general. Also, because they are Argentinians and they're going to see cybernetics as a Chilean invention, so clearly inferior. Uh, so, you know, at best, they're going to be a bit condescending about that. But uh, overall, for all intents and purposes, they kind of respect the current government. We're probably going to say, yeah, they could be helping more. Well, uh, they don't like that they are relying so much on the USSR, but they kind of have to. So I actually think that it might be a good play, and I'm, I'm voicing this out of character to you all to see if you all feel similar. Because if their big complaint is they feel like System 4 isn't helping enough, here's an opportunity to be like, hey, for System 4, we want to lend aid to this, and there's this other issue, and we can at least clue these two in. I... Well, you know one thing for sure, sure, they don't work with the Soviet supers. Which is a powerful point. Yeah, that's pretty imperative. I think Johnny would probably, if I had that information in mind, uh, Johnny would probably be okay with it. I don't think he is willing to be the one to say it. I think he, like he, he would probably just sort of give John a look and just sort of nod at him. Perfect. Yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't want to be the one to talk about it, but he will definitely follow John's lead on that, if that's the direction. I would follow John's lead, too. John Doe's going to snap out his switchblade comb and pull out his System 4 identifier and just, well, hi, Astro Luna. I'm John Doe. I'm from System 4. I'm a, I'm, y'all can call me Highwayman. I'm an associate. Berserker, same. Oh, we heard the, we heard about you. Did you? Like in country or just sort of stories from stuff? We were told that you took part in the war. You know, I did, I did do that. At some point, uh, I'm not particularly proud of that. And uh, Astra signals to you, why did you choose? You had the choice. I had significantly less of a choice than it may be apparent. And though I understand your grievances and frustrations, I'll thank you 
not to tell me what my choices are. I do want to say out of character for someone to say that to Johnny, that's a very, that's an extremely sensitive button for him. I think this may be the first time on camera we've seen Johnny visibly angered, even though he is restrained with that anger. From his perspective, he genuinely did not have a choice. Like there were, I don't want to say literally like folks being held at gunpoint, but functionally, yeah, he was bullied into participating in that thing. So for someone to say he had a choice, he now is no longer fond of these two. John's going to, as soon as seeing that, just look, we can talk about the past all we want, but there's a present danger and future dangers, and we'd like to help. Well, let's go kick some fascist butt, shall we? Here, hold this. And she hands the mouse. Does it have a name? Bingus. Bingus. All right. Puts him in my breast pocket. You okay with hanging out there, buddy? And it taps. Yes. The mouse mouses mousily. Okay. Hold on. It's gonna. I'm gonna jump around a lot. Are you ready? Johnny like reaches behind his back and snaps out the sniper rifle in its collapsed form out of its like magnetic sheath. With like a single whole arm kind of flicking motion, it just snaps fully to assembly, and he just uh, again the anger is still pretty clear he just sort of wordlessly nods and uh, takes a name down the site i think he probably has like a matte kind of filter that he could put in front of the scope so it wouldn't glint in the light um and he's going to start looking for vulnerable points in this convoy anything that might be like might have a significant quantity of explosives that he could hit and detonate to scatter them something like that he's ready for business also I believe, canonically, Bren, you said that you put the bike up on the roof. So that's a fun thing for me to know. Yes. Yes, I did. Yeah, so going to have some fun bike shenanigans. Also, Berserk here transforms. Yes. <laughs> Transform! Crimson Gold Agonies is an associate of Court Games and D20 Raid. Joaquin Jarv, aka Berserkir, is played by Brent Torreson. They can be found at Copper Credit almost everywhere. Check out their other podcasts, Splinters of Jade and L5R Thriller Actual Play. They are available for editing work. Message them for rates. Johnny Jennings, aka The Highwayman, is played by Sam Sedlachter. They can be found at SGCADelaysec on Instagram and YoungSpaceDead on Twitter. They are largely impressive. John Doe is played by Bradley Hainler. You can follow him at JudgeTheBarbarian on Twitter or as co-writer on Split Roll, where he screams his opinions at you. Ludo handles the rest. You can find them at The Lettil and more of her stuff as Agonizing Crimson at Itchio or co-writing Split Roll. Sentinel Comics RPG is the property of Greater Than Games and designed in collaboration with Critical Hits. 
Crimson Gold Agonies is possible through the support of listeners like you. You can support us on Patreon or even better, you can review us on iTunes and you can spread the word because there is no better way to get into a podcast just because a friend told us about it.